Hi, I'm Kara. Welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast, where together we learn how to embrace imperfection and the messes that life leaves behind and overcome our shortcomings. Together, we will begin to not only see, but to feel who we truly are and who God created us to be. Let's talk. Hello, welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast. I'm your host, Kara Murray, and I am so excited to be here with Melinda Brown from, well, she's an author, and I'm going to let her just introduce herself and tell us a little about her book and about her. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Kara. I'm so happy to be here. Um, Yes, I am the author of the book, Eve and Adam, Discovering the Beautiful Balance. Oh, I guess show you since we're recording yes, watching that's what it looks like <laughs> um I uh let's see that was released at the very beginning of COVID the first week of COVID uh from Deseret Books so that's kind of been an interesting road um it came about after about three years of research and writing I I did did not intend to write a book it didn't start out that way it was personally um just for me, because I wanted to get to the bottom of some things. I wanted to figure things out. Um, And then it sort of grew into a book as often (laughs) happens. Um, But let's see, let me, I'll back up a little to introduce myself more. I have four children. I've been married for about 31 years. I currently live in Utah, but I've lived all over the country. Um, And uh, I have an empty nest, which gives me lots of time to study and research, which I really love to do. I know that not everybody gets to do that, which is partly why I felt like it might be helpful to put my um, findings into a book where it would all be gathered into one place, because I know not many people have that, that opportunity to spend a couple of years working so dedicatedly on one topic like this. Um, and let's see, uh, well, that's probably enough about me. Let's talk about Eve. So, <laughs> Yeah, let's. That, thank you for that introduction. And so I had the opportunity to listen to Melinda's book, Even Adam, and it was, it's beautifully written. I love it. And one thing that we were talking about before we started recording was in the hard copy, there are a lot of notes, like reference notes and things like that, that she expands on some thoughts. So just something to consider uh, if you are interested in reading her book at all. So, but she does an amazing job. And I think it's so important that as we learn to compile things for other people, because I don't have time to just sit and learn all about Eve right now, (laughs) but it was such a great resource for me to be able to sit and listen as I drove around in the car and picking up kids and driving kids to and fro because some of their schools are not very close to my house anymore. So (laughs) we've had some traveling time. So, all right. So I'm just going to let you dive in and start telling us about Eve and some of the important things that you've learned and how we can see Christ's love for her in her story and how we can implement that same love that Christ gave her into our lives. Okay. Okay. So maybe one good place to start is kind of what got me started down this journey and in, in learning more about her. Um, I was doing some nonprofit work for a couple of different organizations that work to help lift and support women around the world and also locally. And I was just beginning to be really concerned about this gap that I felt existed between what I thought was our heavenly parents' plan for their daughters and what I was seeing the lived experience look like for so many of those daughters. 
And it began to just concern me that perhaps I had misunderstood what their plan actually was. And I just wanted to figure out for myself if I was understanding correctly, I hoped I was, but if not, um, how I would reconcile that and handle that. And if I did understand correctly, why did this gap exist so drastically? Why are so many women, even today, not just historically, but currently in modern times, uh, hurting so badly and struggling and being treated so poorly? And um, so as I dug into that, uh, I didn't intend that to be a study about Eve, but kind of concurrently, I was having some things going on in my extended family that we were wrestling with some hard choices. Um, kind of, we felt like we were in a rock and a hard space trying to figure out how to navigate some, some difficult paths that we needed to take together. And we weren't all in agreement and we were just really struggling. We were, we were trying to receive some personal revelation about what would be the best path for all of us to pursue. And it was at that point that uh, I had a profound experience while sitting here in my office. I have a painting of Eve that hangs across from my desk here and I was just gazing at it as I was contemplating what we should do to get through this mess we found ourselves in. And I actually said audibly to this painting, oh, Eve, can you help me? And I really had an amazing experience where I felt as if she leaned out of the, her frame and said, yes, I thought you'd never ask. And it was that moment that really caused me just, it almost shook some sense into me is what it felt like. Um, that caused me to think, wait, like how, how in the world could she help me? How could her story help me? How does it apply to me? And I've been attending the temple for years and I thought I had a good grasp of, of why she is a pivotal part of our temple liturgy and our temple experience. But what I realized in the coming months was that I really had only barely scratched the surface. And so I guess I would say if I had to summarize really briefly, which is challenging for me to do, which is why this became a book and not just an article or, you know, a blog post or something, um, is that I think that Eve very much acts as proxy for each one of us in the choice we made to come to mortality, to experience these hard things because of two main things. One, we understood it was critical for our growth and learning and development ultimately and eternally, but two, and probably even more importantly, because we trusted our savior enough to take this scary leap. And in fact, we trusted him so much that we were excited to take this scary leap. And that's the big difference. I think that's, that's huge. That's mm -hmm. big trust. Um, and, and now five years beyond that experience with the painting, I would say the thing that, that one of the things that has changed very most in my life is that I now see everything in my testimony, my faith, um, my relationship with my heavenly parents and my savior, it's all about trust, much more so than it was before the painting experience. I, I might've come at it 
in lots of different angles. But now I see that really, for me at least, it's all about trust and trusting the Lord. And that has made such a difference in my life. Um, and it allows me to be brave like Eve, which is a phrase I use all the time. Um, that's our Instagram handle. I, I run an account with two of my daughters that we discuss just encouraging things to help us stay brave uh, through the thorny patches of life is kind of how I would say it. So I love that. And I do, I love the name of your Instagram brave like Eve, because I think sometimes we don't remember that she had to be brave. Like the choice she made was brave. So will you maybe talk about that a little, like what, what, why did she need to be brave? Why was this choice? Um, I don't know. A lot of religions look at her choice as a mistake. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. So why do we see it as this choice and her being brave and something that we can honor her for. Yeah. Well, I do think that, um, the repercussions of how, uh, how significantly her story has been misunderstood and misapplied by not just our, uh, fellow Christians throughout history, but also lots of other religions as well. Um, you know, hers is really a, a foundational, a fundamental origin story that so many, um, believers and even non-believers have kind of as a basis of their, of their background and kind of a knowledge base, which is really fascinating actually of us for a different time. But anyway, um, um, so in that misunderstanding, one of the most crucial parts, and, and I don't begrudge uh, the misunderstanders so much because they really were missing a few critical pieces of the story. Um, The number one being that they couldn't have children in the garden. That's something that we've learned through restoration scripture, through the Book of Mormon, and um, through uh, early restoration days, and through modern prophets. And that seems like an obvious piece to us, but it isn't to everybody else. And with that piece missing, then you would wonder, well, why in the world would you want to leave paradise? Why wouldn't you stay in paradise? But what what it really set up and what I think is uh, such a great metaphor for every single one of our lives is this idea of what some people consider conflicting commandments. I don't know that that's an ideal term for it. I I (laughs) don't think that that's actually what I would choose to call it now with more understanding, but, but this idea that they were given directives that were mutually exclusive, uh, meaning that If they did one, they couldn't do the other and vice versa. And that put pressure on them. It became like um, constraints, opposition in all things is the Mm -hmm. phrase we often think of with her um, that required her to choose and to use her agency to actually do something. And those are all crucial elements to our own lives as well. I think agency could not be more fundamental to the grand plan, to this perfect design for um, pursuing immortality and eternal life for our heavenly parents' children. Agency is really the basis of it all. In fact, my opinion is that agency is what called forth the need for a savior and his atonement. Um, They really follow agency, not Mm -hmm. vice versa. And that just demonstrates how, um, what 
a crucial piece of our lives agency is and how much our heavenly parents respect it, honor it, love it, and what a gift it is for each of us. And so the way that the garden was set up, it required her to make this choice. She had to decide. And lots of times, I think we all experience options. Um, we kind of sometimes talk about them as sins of commission versus sins of omission. And I'm not, I, and I, I don't like to actually equate this with sins, but in our experience with these terms, we understand that more, but, but I would, like to maybe propose we think about it as an active agency of omission or an active agency of commission, like things we are not supposed to do and things we are supposed to do. And sometimes it's easier to not do something than it is to do something because doing something forces us out of our comfort zone and like we have to move forward and that's really difficult. And I think that's what she was wrestling with. And I think it's important to remember that we have no idea the time frame of this. This may have happened over eons in the garden. And I, I think it's likely that it was actually quite a long time. Yeah. Um, I see the garden as a temple experience where they were having mm -hmm. really fabulous divine tutoring the whole time they were there. And that when she was ultimately ready, she and Adam were able to then jointly choose to take that next step forward, to, to do the hard thing, which would open that door into mortality and that would allow them to cross the threshold. And they were in such an important spot ahead of all the rest of us. I mean, billions of their of, um, spiritual siblings, right? Who were waiting for them to cross this threshold and take this step. Um, and what a hard thing to do on behalf of all of us. Um, yeah. But I, I think, you know, we were all there encouraging that and that choice. And, um, and so that's really where her courage comes from, that all of the unknowns that would come with it. Um, but I think one thing that was not an unknown that I think sometimes we feel like we have some gray area here, but uh, actually Elder Holland has been one who has spoken pretty directly about this, as well as some other general authorities um, uh, in like the last century and earlier decades, um, far beyond before Elder Holland. And that is that they understood the whole plan, not that they understood it practically, but theoretically, they understood the plan and that there would be a savior in place. They knew their savior. I mean, they were having divine interactions with them, with divinity. And so they knew that they could trust that there was in fact a way prepared for them to handle this. And that the way that these two so-called conflicting commandments would be reconciled was not by removing one of them, but by adding the third piece. And that third piece was Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice and opening the way for this to work together. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. That's one thing I love to think about is because of the choice made in Eden, it allows for the atonement to happen. But That's right. I also love the, uh, lesson of agency that we, that we learn from Eve 
And they always had that. But I think, like you said, it was so important for them to be tutored. Like, I can't even imagine all the things they had to learn, right? Exactly. Oh, (laughs) so much. So much they had to learn. And um, so I'm sure that was an incredible experience. But like you said, there was a moment where they had to move forward. That's right. And go on. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that I love too, that I think we see a little bit differently. And and I, I hope that my work has helped um, women like us articulate this a little bit better to those that we love as well, is that so much of history has looked at their leaving the garden as this angry expulsion where they were kicked out and it was, you know, fire and brimstone and their thunderbolts coming down and, and, um, an awful thing. I don't see it that way at all. I don't think that's how we as a faith tradition see it at all. I think that it was time for them to move on like we've talked about, but I think in looking at it as an angry expulsion, uh, other Christians might feel like they left on their own and suddenly they found themselves all alone in this dreary wilderness. Um, while while they didn't have divinity physically leaving with them, I feel like they really did have divinity with them. They, um, I feel like Christ left that garden with them in a very real way, uh, spiritually speaking. We know that they had a lot of divine help once they were in the lamentary world. They had angels helping and guiding them, mm-hmm. but they also had the spirit of the Lord with them. Um, and my favorite evidence of that is I love the name Emmanuel that we use for Jesus Christ. That means God with us. And I just love always thinking to myself, they didn't leave that garden alone. God left with them. And Christ is with every one of us if we choose to have him with us. I think that's what our covenant relationship and our temple covenants really um, solidify and and are meant to remind us of constantly is that we have this relationship with Christ. We are yoked with him and he is doing this all with us. And that's empowering. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And it's true though. Like we have those moments where we feel like we've been abandoned, but it's so important to remember that we haven't, we haven't, he is there. And I'm sure they had times where they were like, really, is anyone like, can we get a little help? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Know? I mean, they didn't have a perfect life. And we learned that, right? We, we There's the famous story of Cain and Abel. Like yeah. their children did not all stay on this great righteous path. And most prophets had children that did not stay on that straight path and follow um, Jesus Christ and all that they did. And that's correct. Even, even Adam and Eve though, they, they had that and they like, and how terrible, like they have one of their sons kills another son and takes, you know, a group of people, a group of their children astray. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, it's so important just to recognize all the great examples that they set for us in this. They, Mm -hmm. um, they set so many great uh, models for us to follow in how they led their children together. They prayed together. They worked together. Um, Those first 15 verses of chapter five of Moses are so 
beautiful. They're such a blessing to us because that's something that's missing from the Genesis account. And in those verses, what we learn so clearly is that everything they did, they did together. And they're such a great model for our relationships with our spouses, um, with just in general between men and women. They really model that beautifully. And I think it's also really helpful and and it's been a huge blessing uh, in for my testimony and my faith to understand that the way that they learned that was because they were modeling their heavenly parents. And one of the things that I just hope and I love about uh, learning more about Eve and Adam, their relationship with each other, is that I hope it bridges the gap that we feel between how we understand and know and love our heavenly parents. I think by learning and understanding Eve's story better, I think it really fills in a lot of the gray area we feel about our heavenly mother. And so many of us are seeking to have more of a relationship there with with everything related to the divine feminine. And I feel like Eve is a really great place to start to fill in some of some of that um, Mm -hmm. vague space. And I think that's a great blessing she can offer us as well. I love that. In your book, you talk about well, here you talked about too, that they were tutored and the Elohim means gods. I don't yeah, remember what language. Plural. Yeah. Hebrew. Yeah. That's the Hebrew. Hebrew. It is yeah. plural. And it just makes sense that she would be tutored by a heavenly mother as well, because yeah. there's so many differences between men and women. Yeah, and absolutely. So it's like, why, why wouldn't she have been there to help alongside our heavenly father? Right. And sure. while we don't hear about it. I think like you said, they emulate a relationship that they must have seen as well. Absolutely. And I think we even, we have um, some some subtle and even not so subtle hints of that right there in Genesis and in Moses, when we read about them being directed to cleave unto each other and that um, the man should leave his parents and cleave to his wife and that they now should be this new uh, whole and complete unit. Well, that we believe, and we've been taught by modern prophets that that's a portion of the um, celestial marriage covenant that they were making right there. Those verses are kind of encapsulating Mm -hmm. that marriage that happened in the garden. Well, it's saying right there is to leave his parents. I mean, it's not saying leave your father. It's saying leave your parents. I mean, that's our, our first evidence of our heavenly parents working jointly as this united Mm -hmm. uh, duo. Um, And that I just think is profoundly beautiful and a great example for all of us. I love that. I agree. I love that. So what is, what's a way that we can internalize Eve and the way that our heavenly parents and Jesus Christ show love to her? How can we take that same love into our own lives in the latter days? Does that question make sense? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, I think that it goes back to trusting the Lord, trusting that he has prepared a way for us. And that when it seems like an impossible task we've been given, uh, you know, either mutually exclusive good choices where we can only choose one or mutually exclusive bad choices where we've got to pick one and we don't like either of them. I think um, it really helps me to remember that 
actually there's a third piece of the puzzle that we often forget. And that is that Christ prepares a way for us forward when we rely on him and when we work together with him. And so for me, um, you know, I love to, uh, to, to contemplate, even though I can't remember, but to remind myself that pre-mortally I made this choice because of how much I trusted my savior. And if I made it then, surely I can make it now. I mean, I, I have so much more understanding. I'm here in this physically embodied world, um, experiencing these things. I've learned a lot the hard way already. And so I can do a few more things the hard way, you know, and I think for me that, um, that just leaning on that trust that he'll help me through is really how, how it works best for me. And I think that's what she demonstrated so well when she um, partook of that fruit and chose to do the next, the next brave thing. Um, so it's just courage. And I, I always refer to it as faithful courage. I think it's, it's not just swallowing your fear and moving forward, but it's, it's doing the brave thing because I have faith in Jesus Christ. That's why I have the courage to do those hard, scary things that maybe I don't quite see how it's going to all work out, but I can do the next right thing. I love that. I love faithful courage. That's beautiful. And I think, I don't always think of even uh, like, think like, oh, she had so much trust in the Lord in partaking of the fruit, but it's true. I, I love that perspective that you've offered. So thanks. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and where can people find you? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram at brave, like Eve, uh, it's brave like Eve, but that's easy to find. Um, we post a few times a week and we just try to make it a really happy, encouraging community where we all lift and love each other. And it's a happy place. So we'd love to have any of you join us there. And then, um, my book's available at Deseret book or Amazon or any of the places. Um, and I'll actually be on the Time Out for Women tour that will start up in February that I'm excited about. So wonderful. And yeah. that's just through Desert Book. You can find that. That's through Desert Book, right? Yep. Yep. Wonderful. Yeah, so well, thank, thank you so you. much for being on the episode today. Oh, so happy to be here. Thank you. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're willing to help me out and you love today's episode, please share it with a friend. Leaving a review is actually extremely helpful as well and allows other people to find the podcast. So if you are enjoying listening, please leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, today you are enough.